I'm John. I'm Paul. I'm George. And I play the drums. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. And Chachi's co-host, Beatles instructor at Suffolk University, David Galan. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Get Back to the Beatles. It's me, your Beatle pal, Chachi LaPrette. Thank you for tuning in right here on Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, you can find ours. Get back to the Beatles. And uh, as a little brief introduction, my name is Chachi LaPrette. I've hosted a Beatles show in Boston for roughly 25 years. Uh, Get back to the Beatles back in the early, uh, in the 80s and 90s on WBCN. Currently, Breakfast with the Beatles in Boston on 91.9 FM, WUMB. In New Hampshire and Maine on 92.1 and 97.1 FM. So... Welcome to our podcast where we explore all kinds of subjects and facets of our favorite band. I'm here with my co-host. We call him the Beatles professor at Suffolk University, Mr. David Gallant. Hello, David. How are you today? Chachi, I'm doing fine and uh, probably feeling a little bit better than you are, right? It's, have, it's, it's cold season. Yeah, but you know, I've had a little bit of an illness since October. It just lingers, a little sinus thing, and it got a little bit worse over the last week or so, but I'm doing fine. Uh, doctor checked me out, and I'm not contagious. It's all good. And if you are listening uh, before February 8th, you still have time to see our little show here, there, and everywhere, The Beatles in the USA. Uh, myself, along with Eric Taros, Beatles film archivist, <laughs> and we're doing two all-new hours of Fab Four footage that you've never seen before with stories and fun, regenttheater.com. So here we are. The broadcast uh, originating out of Westwood, Massachusetts, with uh, with our spiritual leader and producer, Mr. David Yaz. Thank you, David, for manning the uh, little d- device over there. Pleasure and an honor to be here, as usual, Josh. And you're very nice. And here, February, every February, uh, Mr. Gallant and I like to embrace my favorite beetle. I don't even know what David's favorite beetle, who he is. <laughs> who is your favorite beetle, David? You know, <clears throat> um, it... Uh, it it changes sometimes with the weather. I think uh, just like Rolling Stone wrote years ago that every generation gets the 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 Beatles that it needs. I think sometimes my my favorite Beatle might might shift. But I I will say that my favorite Beatle class assignment is asking the students to write a short paper at the end of the term on who their favorite Beatle is. Oh. So that's uh, my favorite Beatle is listening to what they have to say, and uh, I think that this marks a little bit of a milestone. Where this is sort of our second annual official George show or tribute show or George centered show, which is really kind of gratifying. Yes. I love George Harrison. I always have now in the very beginning when I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, uh, 56 years ago, I was immediately drawn to Ringo Starr. I love the fact that he was up on a riser and he was just having fun playing and shaking his head and uh, smiling and enjoying everything. And, but then I slowly shifted to George Harrison you have a Beatle who was a, uh, a developing songwriter that was living in the shadow of two of the greatest songwriters that ever lived, John and Paul. But he certainly lived up to that. So I was always drawn to George Harrison uh, from probably the mid-60s up to today. And today we're going to celebrate and remember the life of the quiet Beatle, George Harrison, born to Louise and Harry Harrison, February 24th, 1943. But some people say it's the 25th. Mom and dad, two brothers, Peter and Harry, and a sister Louise, named after the mom, which I thought was always kind of a little. You know, it's this is not atypical in uh, Irish families. 
Mm-hmm. So you even have a, a a female descendant who you one what might say is a junior. Yeah. Uh, so some of the first generation kids that I knew in college, and their parents were were right from the old sod, as they would mm-hmm. say. Um, the daughters had the same name as the mother. Yeah, and George was from a complete uh, family a nucleus, uh, uh, as opposed to the other three. Rare, rare, rare for a beetle, yeah. And I think that's something that we mentioned in last year's show. I always find fascinating about George, and and uh, uh, maybe our our guest this evening might comment on this. Is that in any family, there's a particular dynamic if there are multiple children, if you're the baby, mm-hmm. right? If you're the youngest, that mm-hmm. that applies to me. And one thing that that gave me. Beyond whatever people say, it's a lie that the baby isn't always spoiled. But what we get is not something that is, the thing that's given to us is what people don't realize, is that we have the best, widest perspective of the family. Mm -hmm. Everything filters down to you, right? And George had this incredible ability to see what everybody else was doing. And he wasn't always in the middle of those fights until the very end. Mm -hmm. And he had this incredible amount of freedom, even as a young person. Part of it might have come from being able to ride the bus for free because his dad drove for the Liverpool Corporation. That's right. He was scoping out all the basement clubs when the others, you know, uh, Mr. McCartney was looking after his son, making sure he studied for those tests. Mm -hmm. And Aunt Mimi was certainly no slacker when it came to looking after John, right? George had this incredible freedom. And say, you know what? I know this guy who got a drum kit with Pete. I know this club over here and this club over there. He always said that freedom to connect with the outside world where the intensity of the of the Byron Shelley, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lennon McCartney, didn't give them that freedom. Mm-hmm. It created genius, but didn't give them the freedom. So that's why George is always really an interesting an interesting figure that way. Not only the youngest in his family, but the youngest in the Beatles. He attended the Liverpool Institute, and he met Paul McCartney around September 1954, and they met on the bus. And he was consumed by Skiffle. His mom helped him up with a new guitar. At the same time, he was sent by the Youth Employment Center to apply for a job as a window dresser at Blacklist Department Store, but instead became a trained electrician. But he kept blowing everything up, as he says in his own <laughs> words. At the same time, he became friends with fellow student uh, Paul McCartney. And uh, soon George joined up with the quarryman with his friend Paul and a gentleman by the name of, well, gentleman, I say that loosely, by the name of John Lennon. And the stage was set for him to become a Beatle. And so that's a little quick background on George Harrison. And we thought it would be an interesting thing to have a guest today, tonight, uh, two guests, in fact, uh, two students from your class. We have two guests this evening, and they are students at Suffolk University. And um, uh, one, uh, Alice Byrne, and you'll, you'll meet her in a second. She um, did not take my Beatles class, much to her regret, I think. Uh, she visited uh, last week, and um, uh, she got a taste, I think, of, of where we where we go with it, even though it was at the very beginning. And uh, she's joined by uh, Liam Grimaldi, who was a student in my class, and they are both senior theater majors at Suffolk. So, Chachi, this is something that we have to tell the administration. They they often they do realize a little bit all the incredible free advertising that the university gets for recruitment and everything else and i'm i'm still waiting for my uh, check in the mail from the advancement office but <laughs> we'll see what happens and uh yeah exactly <laughs> there you go uh so they're senior theater majors and this was really uh, a matter of chance or happenstance i was uh, not really where i normally would have been last semester i was substituting for another faculty member who took ill and i took over his seminar for freshmen for several weeks and it was in a building on campus, the Sawyer Building, and right across from that classroom 
is the uh, one of the home offices areas of the theater department, and that's where the Black Box Theater is located. And there was a poster for um, the uh, uh, fall showcase for student work as well as the spring spotlight series is called and our guests will talk about the nature of the spotlight series and how it works and i noticed that there was this one play and the title of the play is here comes the moon and it had a short description about the nature of the play and it was based on both george's famous song from abbey road here comes the sun as well as his battle with cancer and i said and i saw the student i gotta look this student up mm -hmm. and doesn't she know that anything beetle at at uh, anything beetle at suffolk university has to go through me <laughs> exactly. the god the godfather for crying out loud mm -hmm. and so uh you know i uh, harassed her lightly through email a little bit and finally we did uh, get a chance to talk and i thought it'd be a great opportunity given the timing of the year and having a george show that she can uh, uh, discuss and talk about this uh, play that is going up this week. Well, I think that's fantastic. So how old is Alice and Liam? Well, uh, guys, am I, if I got this right, uh, I would say since your seniors were either 20 or 21. Correct, 21. 21. Ah, perfect. That's fantastic. So when did you become aware of the Beatles? Through your parents, your grandparents? How old were you? Literally in the womb. <laughs> ah. Um, yeah. <laughs> The Beatles was all I listened to growing up because they're my dad's favorite band and he's a guitarist. So he would just play the songs and we would all sing them ever since I was born. So he must be very excited. Is he going to be coming to see you play on Friday? Yeah, he is. Very well, excited. Good for him. And where did you grow up, Alice? I grew up in Marshfield, Massachusetts. So oh, it's okay. like 40 minutes south of Boston. Yeah. Okay. And Liam, what's the story with you? When did you become aware of the Beatles and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains in Connecticut, um, and from a very young age, I think my parents used to put on CDs of the Grateful Dead and the Beatles to like put me to sleep when I was really young. <laughs> Boy, those Grateful so, Dead songs are much longer than the Beatles songs. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember my first Walkman I got when I was around like or five years old and the first cd that i had was a gift from my grandmother and it was like the greatest hits of beatles i think it was like uh, 1963 to like 65 or something like that okay so it sounds and like I the red and blue album maybe the red albums and blue albums yes yeah it's the, it's the picture where they're all in the staircase yes exactly but, yep yeah but they're young yeah yeah so um i listened to that a lot and then ever since then i was a huge beatles fan and i remember getting my first ipod and I just downloaded all my dad's music and it was like Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper and mostly like, it was like pretty much all Beatles albums and a few other, like The Last Waltz and like I said, a few dead albums, but. So uh, uh, Liam, then that means, uh, would this mean, uh, since you're also involved uh, with, uh, with, with Alice's production, that taking my class didn't uh, in fact kill your enthusiasm for the Beatles, but only put it into, into hyperdrive, right? A little bit, actually, yeah. Like ever since taking your class, I've kind of had um, a growing respect for the Beatles. Like just like having learned so much the history around them and like how they've changed kind of pop culture in the time, and it's very interesting to see all the influences they still have um, today. Like, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful I took that class because I was a huge Beatles fan before even coming to school, but I didn't realize exactly how big of a fan I could be. Oh, shucks. All class. right. Well, enough about me. Well, um, you do a great <laughs> job, David. Uh, I'm sure I would love to take David's class because he, he has a very 
very an excellent syllabus, and he covers everything. He has a really academic approach, of obviously, and he does a great job. So, Alice, you wrote this play, is that true? Yes. And so, why um, why did you pick George? Um, so, George becoming the subject of my play was something that kind of just fell into into place. It was really strange. Um, basically, I decided I was going to write something to propose for my senior capstone and around this time last year and I wanted it to be something very personal but also not my own story so um I also knew I wanted it to be very much music based because that's a huge part of who I am and then I was kind of looking into um musicians that interested me so that I could find someone else's music to incorporate into my show and then I kind of happened upon a ton of research on George and realized that um funny enough he died from cancer at the same exact age that my mother did and it was and the Beatles having been so personal to my life growing up as like like I said I we listened to the Beatles ever since I was in the womb like their their music was kind of all I knew and then that weird coincidence kind of interested me a lot and then it kind of bothered me that everyone in the world knows what happened to John but a lot of times I'll bring up George Harrison and people don't even know who I'm talking about, which is funny. Um, For real. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of why I started to want to write his story a lot more. And I think his music fits in so perfectly with the theme I was going for because he was always so interested in, you know, the spirituality of life and and that kind of thing. And the music just fit in perfectly with the story. It, it really just fell into place. So, Alice, when you said that you were you were searching for an idea and you you happened upon things that were important to you, music and by extension, Beatles, and then being able to tell an important um, and uh, uh, an important fact of your life, which which has its roots in in loss and sadness, um, but using sort of George's life as a vehicle to kind of, you know, put that out to to the world and you said that you were doing some research so what kind of things were you looking at did you just happen upon several websites did you find a book uh, what, what were the first things that you started to read up on George um a lot of it was interviews um websites definitely and then I read parts of the I Me Mine book yeah that's a that's a good um, one and I took a lot from the preface by Olivia um so that was a huge thing but a lot of it was interviews yeah chachi do you have a signed copy of i mean yes you know and i was so close to bringing it <laughs> i have a uh in the very beginning they put that out in limited form either two or three thousand copies numbered and autographed and i ended up with copy number 886 wow and i paid less than 300 dollars for it when it first came out and I still have it to this to this day. It's, it's very expensive now. It's worth a lot of money, but I would never sell it. It's a beautiful book. And it's one book, that, I mean, John was very upset about that book. John Lennon was very angry that he didn't, that George didn't give John his due in the book. And so, but it is a great book. And uh, is this your first play that you've ever written, Alice? Or is this something that you've worked up to? No, yeah, it's the first play I've ever written. And do you, do you, is your life, is your goal in life to be a screenwriter slash playwright? No, I, I mean, I fell in love with it when I did write this, but I'm more of an actress. Oh, okay, that's great. So, this was just kind of my final project here, but well, yeah, you, I, I think I gravitate towards 
performance more. Well, you know, if you write the play or the movie and you're in it, you get paid more. So you should consider <laughs> that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right. That uh, that, that's the uh, the uh, Greta Gerwig phenomenon, right, in some ways. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> now when did you first sort of, did you have to run this through the department? Did you pitch it to Professor Marilyn Plotkins or Wes Savick? I mean, how did they... Uh, or did they just say, look, if you're doing the Spotlight series, you know, whatever you got is whatever you got. But how many hands has it gone through in terms of maybe some of the faculty? Yeah, so the first thing I did when I um, came up with the idea last year is I gave, I think, one or two scenes to Wes Savick. And he looked at them and gave me some feedback. And then I proposed it with, I think, probably like five out of the 12 scenes for the final proposal last year um so it wasn't done by any means i think i finished the first draft over the summer but it was it was um accepted for the spotlight series last year before it was done being written but i did have the proposal and um uh, when you were i mean uh i was explaining this uh before the podcast to uh, uh, uh to chachi and our producer that the spotlight series that the plays themselves are very brief, right? I mean, it's even sort of shorter than a standard one-act play, right? Um, the thing is that, that that was kind of the standard for Spotlight for a while, but I think this year is kind of starting to change that a little bit. So it's um, it's a, the runtime right now is about 40 minutes, which is kind of normal for a one-act, mm -hmm. but we've ha we had a Spotlight this past January that was an hour so the, the cool thing about it is that since it's not part of the showcase which is three shows in one night you kind of have the flexibility of it being as short or as long as you want it to be okay now is it all spoken word or is there music in it there is music in it um which was something that I knew I really wanted to do in my proposal so mm -hmm. it's it's dialogue with George's song woven throughout it okay so is it a one-man play meaning George is only is in the play Nope, it's um, it's George, Olivia, Danny, and then the Beatles have a couple flashback scenes. Uh, Paul and Ringo come to visit, and then there's the Doctor and his son. So you had a um, you cast you had a cast the entire play. I did. And how did you go about that? And how did you choose Liam as George Harrison? Um. Well, I did just ask a lot of my friends to be in it because. I didn't want to have auditions or anything because I know since I'm a senior, I know everyone in the department now and I know who I work best with and who would be interested. And funny enough, a lot of the cast was chosen by them approaching me and telling me they're interested in my idea because they're interested in the Beatles. So pretty much everyone who came up to me and told me they were interested in the show has a part in it. Um, but the first thing, yeah, the first thing I did was I cast Liam over the summer um, and I just knew, I kind of had him in mind all along because um, I knew he plays interested. I, he plays instruments. I knew he's interested in the Beatles, and I just thought it would be the perfect fit. Was that, was, that convenient, was that convenient for you, Alice, because he also insisted on being George in the play? I mean, he wasn't going to well, let you let this show go up without being sort of the main character. I can tell that. Yeah, no, I, I was the one who, who approached him about that. A lot of the other characters were people who were who came up to me later in the year um, after like the poster went up. Um, but Liam was the first person I asked and um, I was very happy that he accepted. Uh, Liam, why did you um, jump at this opportunity besides some of the obvious things about the interest? Um, I mean, you have 
confidence in, I mean, will you be playing guitar during the show? Uh, I will. Uh, I'm kind of switching back and forth between guitar and ukulele. Oh, you're doing uh, the uke. Okay. Yeah, the uke. There yeah, you yes. go. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and so why why did you go for this? Well, the way I see it, uh, with uh, Suffolk shows and productions, uh, they're pretty difficult to, it's kind of, for students, it's very difficult to wrangle a cast together, and I can't, I'm going through some of the similar stresses right now. But I, the way I see it, it's kind of first come, first serve. And since Alice asked me over the summer, she was the first person to ask me to be in a production this year. So I just kind of said, yeah, why not? Because like, in the summer, I didn't really know what this year had in store. So I figured if she's already thinking about having me in the cast, I kind of wanted it to be a, an easy process for the both of us. No, no. Um, yeah, I just said before. Now, Liam, did uh, as I asked Alice about her being a playwright slash screenwriter, is it your one of your goals in life to be an actor, or is this just a yeah? I'm, for this? I, yeah, I'm actually trying to pursue a career in acting at the moment. Um, last year, I did a year abroad in Glasgow, Scotland, and I'm planning on moving back in July to join up with some of my friends in their theater company over there. Uh, Liam, you'll have to come by and uh, either give me a portfolio or some headshots. You know, Chachi knows people in the entertainment industry, and your career will go nowhere. No, no, I totally <laughs> nowhere. Go somewhere. So, <laughs> so Liam, how are you going to approach this role? And I will also ask Alice. I mean, is, is what are you going to do for wardrobe? Does Liam look like George in some way? How, how, first Liam, how are you going to approach learning this role for the, uh, for Friday? Well, first thing I've, I've been doing a lot is I've been trying to watch a lot of interviews with George so I can get my accent as close to his accent as I possibly can. That Liverpudlian nasal accent, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, that's proven to be one of the most challenging things, but I think, um, kind of just, I'm very lucky that I was able to be in that class because I was I have a pretty good idea of what his mindset is and I think that's just the most important thing going into a role is knowing the character's mindset and um, after studying so much about George and about the Beatles like I, I have a lot of information in the back of my pocket to uh, to kind of go off of and to um, play with. So, Alice, is it going to be, is there a set, or is there? Is it just a, a black stage? Is Lee, Does Liam have, you know, brown hair like George, or does he look like George? How are you going to try to uh, to do all that? And how, what? Um, the, the tough thing is that there's not a lot of resources for this spotlight. I mean, there, there are in some ways, but I'm kind of making it more min minimalist um, just for the sake of the script being speaking for itself. Um, but I do think Liam looks a lot like young George, but you know, this is set in like 2000, 2001. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of just not going to age anybody because I think that might take away from it. Um, but, and same thing with the costumes. My, my instinct was to do black based costumes and add little accent pieces to each character to signify who they are, but not to go too overboard with it. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. And, um, it, it, Liam, I, are you memorizing a script? How do you, how are you good at memorizing a script? Um, I do my best. That's for sure. I like to, I like to always be, um, as on point with the, uh, with the 
script as possible. Um, I still have a bit more scenes to memorize by Friday, but I think we're in pretty good shape. It's, um, but the hardest part is just trying to get uh, the songs correct because what the difficult thing about these songs is that they're songs that everybody knows. So the slightest thing like that could go wrong, like people will, will know, you know, because they are they're singing the song in their head along with us. So, mm-hmm. well, I um, I tell you one that they may not be as familiar with is. Um, the song that George wrote was, which is the title of the play. I mean, there aren't as many people familiar with "Here Comes the Moon" uh, yeah. <clears throat> from his solo work as they are with "Here Comes the Sun." Is that song performed in the play "Here Comes the Moon"? It is. Yes, it is. Okay, well, uh, I think that's going to be a, a surprise for the audience because they may not necessarily do a deep dive. And Chachi, correct me. What what album is that? That's not off of Extra Texture, is it? No, I think it's off of George Harrison, but I could okay. be wrong. But Mr. Yaz will find out. Here comes the moon. I think that's great, Alice, that you would you know, take a deep dive into George's catalog because most people would just go with Here Comes the Sun, but you took a step further and Here Comes the Moon. And he got a little bit of criticism for that. Uh, because of the connection between Here Comes the Sun and Here Comes the Moon. But Here Comes the Moon is a beautiful song. I mean, I would I would take it uh, uh, 10 times out of 10 over Cracker Box Palace, even though that's kind of a fun song as well. <laughs> sure. So um, uh, this isn't sort of uh, an audition, Liam. You've already got the part. But uh, uh, if you've been doing some George study... Uh, I remember one of the early cuts when people got to understand their humor... And on the the BBC uh, radio sessions, even those in other parts of England would not have been that accustomed to the Liverpudlian accent or that accent from the Midlands. And uh, it must be tough trying to perfect that for this short play, especially since you spent the year in Glasgow. You don't want George to sound like a Scotsman, so obviously. Yeah, so, I've been running into that problem. I've been, I've been doing the accent and I keep flipping into a Scottish accent. Yeah, so you got to be careful of that. And... Uh, so I recall one of the first bits was um, uh, they were interviewed uh, um, maybe for Saturday Club or one of the shows. And it, uh, you know, do you ever get tired of being Beatles and you can't do the simple things in life? And uh, the way George would play it is almost like a little bit of a Marx Brothers routine. He'd come in at the end with the, with the quip that was the best one. And, well, you know, riding a bus or going to certain restaurants, you know, and John said, oh, we go to... Uh, certain ones, and and Paul says, "Yeah, Joe's calf." And George says, "We go to we go to the ones where um, people are so snobby they pretend they don't know us, so we have a good time." <laughs> have, did you remember? Do you remember that? Do you remember studying that at all, or listening to him? Yeah. I, oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah. so sir, can you do that as George for us, please? Oh my god! <laughs> Come on now, this is what an actor does. An actor can act at any time. Hey, I'll do one right uh, now. Um, would you like me to play? If you want me to play, I'll play. If you don't want me to play, I won't play. Whatever will please you. Whatever will please you. No, but go ahead, Liam. Yeah, bro, look, I can't remember the exact quote of when he said that joke. But right, let, let, let me play, give you an easy. Play. Let me give you an easier one. The press conference at JFK Airport when they land, and the press is shouting, "Are you going to get a haircut while you're here?" And they say, well, no, no, no. And then George goes up to the mic, and what does he say? I've already got my hair cut. <laughs> I had one yesterday. You, know, you, you got the I line wrong, yesterday. but I would, I will tell you the accent's not bad. The accent's the, not bad. The intonation's not bad. You got the line wrong, but the intonation is pretty good. He had the thickest accent 
even thicker than than Ringo, who could actually play in and out of character. George's was 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 definitely original and there. And and for uh, for the Beatles' early you know recordings, uh, his still came through in some of the you know in a song like uh, "Do You Want to Know a Secret?" Mm-hmm. You know, after a while. Uh, so that was that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So you know, get more glottal and everything like that. So yeah. Alice, let me ask you: We're looking at a forty-minute play. Is this a slice, a small portion of George's life, or are you summarizing his entire life in 40 minutes? Uh, how does that work? It's very much a small portion of his life. It's um, essentially the last couple of years, and then I put in two like 30-second flashbacks of the Beatles, but it's essentially just the last couple of years of his life condensed. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, is his uh, George's last words in the play? Do you know what his last words were before he died? Um, I know what his last words were to Ringo. I don't know if I know his last words. Love one another was the last thing he said. And, pe- oh. and people that were in the room, David, you know this, claim that there was some mystical thing that happened when George passed. Yes, and, I do know this. And some even say there was a light that uh, surrounded him you know we don't know it's a very private moment but but apparently that's what happened so um i'm going to get a haircut at all no no no, 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 no. i had one yesterday <laughs> there it is i had one yesterday and, uh, and since i we, had one yesterday there you go that's good and uh, i will say that here comes the moon was from the george harrison album mr Yaz okay just flashed it up there we there. go the self-titled album uh, so, um, Alice uh, and Liam, I'm sure you've studied the uh, Martin Scorsese doc- documentary. Oh, the the eight days a week. No, no, no. Oh. The uh, Scorsese documentary on George. Oh, uh, I remember we. I haven't visited, revisited it since seeing it in class. To be honest, yeah, uh, we, we 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 showed a few clips. One being where in in uh, the old clip in retrospect, where he as a as an as an older man is is looking back on their recording of uh, this boy, and also um, from living in the material world, the uh, uh, the the bit on. Uh, uh, well, I'm losing it here. Oh, where Ringo is actually interviewed, talking about the last time he did see George. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious, Alice, uh, how you're pinpointing the dynamic between uh, his son and, and, uh, and himself, you know, and how that is being depicted. Um, a lot of it is just kind of how I, I would imagine it because I had a hard time kind of finding specific things to put in there. But um a lot of it is what I just pictured it would be in my head and then it just came through like watching interviews and stuff I guess there's the uh, the the portion where uh, I think um, maybe you cover this uh, that Danny has just graduated from Brown University right. and uh, he's well, he's maybe 22 23 years old and he tells his father and he's very proud of himself and 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 George says well now let me see what was I doing at 23 oh yes yeah, Sergeant Pepper it's making Sergeant Pepper yes. yeah. <laughs> I play that air check often on my show and I did interview George um, around the Wilbury days and I found him to be so funny and warm and very very nice 
uh, and just listening to that Liverpudlian accent over the phone. And I will tell you guys a quick story that um, I interviewed him at WBCN over the phone while he was in Hawaii. And um, he would call me Larry, not Chachi, because I was embarrassed by my radio name. So I told him my name was Larry. Uh, And he enjoyed the interview so much. And this is what's really special about George. Afterwards, uh, the record company guy reached out to me who set it up and said, listen, George really enjoyed the conversation. And he offered to sign some albums for you. So get me some albums. I'll mail them to Hawaii. He'll autograph them and he'll send them to you. And he did. And that was just an amazing thing that a Beatle doesn't have to do that. And George is a very, very special man. And that was one of the highlights of my life was talking to George Harrison on the phone. That's so sweet. <laughs> oh, he's such a good man. Totally. So um, uh, now both of you, uh, is this something where, you know, Alice, obviously this is now part of your your portfolio that you can present. And I'm, I'm sure that even... If uh, if you're if you're hoping for more of a uh, a stage or a performance career, that having this background in in writing and directing certainly doesn't hurt in terms of building your uh, your credentials. And so, uh, after May, after I see you guys at commencement, because I do volunteer on that Sunday afternoon, and I help line people up before they're going out on stage. So I hope you're going to take advantage of that. Um, that. Uh, uh, what are you are you hitting the pavement uh are you trying to uh you got port headshots in hand as i've mentioned are you going to start from the very bottom without uh being daunted by the tales you've heard of other alums who've gone out there and and are you know not doing this anymore is is that what the plan is or you've got other things to back up yeah i mean kind of just starting from the bottom but I mean, I will say that one of the things I love so much about Suffolk's program is they really encourage us to branch out from our little bubbles and try everything in the theater. So it feels good to have all of this experience leaving. Um, but yeah, my plan is to just move to New York and start from the bottom and see what happens, maybe go to grad school eventually. That sounds very good. Liam, how will you use this stage performance uh to help your acting career you're gonna have it videotaped and uh will you be doing that sort of thing um i mean it's definitely um, gonna put it on the resume but i'm not sure if we're uh, filming it this performance no well we'll take a video of it but i don't know what will happen from here Um, you know what's gonna happen your parents are gonna be in the audience with their uh, apple iphone and and film it for you that would be yeah. the easiest thing. Well, I don't know. I think there may be a restriction against electronic devices. Yeah, everybody the, holding up their phones. Yes, in the, in a in the black theater. box. But if uh, if this is your uh, your capstone uh, project, uh, especially for the honors program, Alice, I think it it uh, they would want to archive it so it can live in the library and and I think after a certain amount of time, there's a, a release form that you signed. Anyway, you can talk to. Talk to the librarians there, but there's a way that they are housing these things. That's why I mentioned your uh, predecessor and alum, Paige Monopoly, whose uh, whose capstone is is there. Um, so uh, is, there's a there's a person named Paige Monopoly from Worcester, nice Italian girl. Yeah, <laughs> Monopoly is the last name. Uh, with an I oh, okay. at the end. Yes, from the Italian <laughs> section of Worcester, former Beatles student of mine, and she that's Suffolk, a great name, a Suffolk theater grad, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, uh, she also did a play that that had a Beatle theme. 
Yeah, wow. years before the movie, her play was called Yesterday, actually. But oh. it was a romance, yeah. And she also was one of the first to do a stage uh, play about um, the marathon bombing. Because wow. she, as a student, she was there when it happened. Wow. Um, so uh, is there anything else, uh, Alice or Liam, that you would want sort of an audience to know? Because you just you know that people will be listening to this after the play has gone up. And so you can actually... You can project into the future and speak to the future, if you will, if there's anything you want to mention about the play or your process doing this or your artistic awakening or anything else to, as sort of parting words. Um, I will say... Um... Yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, <laughs> Thinking ahead is, is hard to do in the theater because we're trained not to. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Within regards to performances. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, like, I think the one thing, the one message we want people to take away from the show is that, like, uh, in the words of George Harrison, all things must pass. Um, that's kind of like the the biggest theme that I think we're trying to convey here, you know, like uh, all good things must come to an end sometimes. Yeah. But, but they'll always be yeah. in you and without you, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Smile because it happened. Don't cry because it's over. Yeah. So uh, um, and now, Alice, without you necessarily getting into anything uh, uh, too personal, but you have sort of, you know, shared and, and disclosed with us, um, have you found a, a, a greater sense of either acceptance or peace with, with, the loss of your mother by sort of uh, constructing this this piece of art? I think absolutely. I think, I really think that writing this was very therapeutic for me and focusing on writing it in a way that wasn't pressing and sad, but that it had a sort of, in a weird way, happy ending where, yes, the show ends with George dying, but the message is very clear. I think that it's not the end at all. Um, and so I think, I think that I kind of came more to terms with losing my mother writing this for sure. And, and I got to work with my brother on it. He helped me write a lot of the scenes and he's playing Paul and he music directed it. So I think that was a really great bonding thing for us because we have sort of the same experience of growing up that way. And um, yeah, I think it, it helped us grow closer than we already were and, uh, and, and how, sure. how, yeah. how old were you when you guys lost your mom um i was 17 and he was 16 wow uh, yeah now i mean it's it's uh it's in, in some ways that's that's also kind of a it's an it's an underlying sort of theme and and uh, discussion point for any talk about the history of the beatles especially given the fact that both john and paul lost their mothers at crucial points in their in their development as as kids as teenagers and uh and how they reacted to that both immediately and then later on when they take those experiences and and turn them into art as you have is is quite a is, is quite a powerful thing and um uh you know it it might hit you at the very end but i'm sure you would know that that your mom would be very proud of what you've done thank you i yes. hope so yeah, well, I totally agree with uh, Professor Gallant, and as many of us, I myself, are dealing with two family members with cancer. It's very sad. It was sad how he lost lost George, and I, I think you know, as people leave the theater, love one another might be a good way to to sign off and say goodbye to the audience. But I wish you the best. Yeah. 
There's Alice Byrne and Liam Grimaldi playing George Harrison. Alice wrote the play called Here Comes the Moon. And uh, anything, final words for you, Mr. Gallant? Well, I mean, if if uh, if anyone, uh, you know, hears this or hasn't seen the postings around the university and wants to see if there's any room left in the Sullivan Theater, uh, this Friday evening, February 7th at 5 p.m. Uh, so before you're running to commute home, you could see uh, a, a nice work of art by uh, uh, several young uh, young artists at, uh, at Suffolk. And uh, Liam and Alice, anytime after this is done and you can take a deep breath, Tuesday, Thursday afternoons, 4.30, over in 73 Tremont and 5035, come by to uh, Beatles class and share your knowledge and and uh, listen to what we're doing. And I will also I will also add that February 7th, 1964 was the day the, Be- the Beatles landed in America. So you are doing this play on a very historic date. Wow. <laughs> 56 years to the day, right? That's right. 56 years to the day. That's crazy. So listen, we wish you the best. Alice, um, when you write that great play that's going to run on Broadway um, or, or act in a movie or whatever you might do where you gain fame and fortune, you're invited back to our podcast. And Liam, the same goes for you. When you win your Oscar, I'll expect you to say, uh, I want to thank David Gallant for bringing me where I am today. Uh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, I'll, I'll give you my mailing address for the check as well. Okay. Uh, I want a piece of this. Uh, you know, I, if you want an agent with absolutely no experience, you know how to reach me. So listen, you guys, we're going to ask you to stay on the line. Don't hang up, but we are going to say goodbye to uh, everyone who's listening to our podcast today. It's called Get Back to the Beatles on the Boston Podcast Network pod617.com we want to thank our sponsors Subaru of New England Direct Tire and Auto Service and we want to thank Alice and Liam for joining us today and of course Mr. Gallant Beatles Professor at Suffolk University we love you and thank you for being here in beautiful Westwood Massachusetts have a great day everybody Make sure to check for the latest episode of Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette at pod617.com. The Boston Podcast Network.